Well, it's, it's no secret that I look forward to this service every year because of the football theme of our service. And in case you guys didn't know this, I'm kind of a football fan, okay? I've titled this morning's message, God's Playbook, okay? And like I said, I love football. I, I played football in high school, and here's a picture of me my senior year in high school. I'm the one with the football uniform on with my mom and dad. It was senior night. And as you can see, our uniforms look similar to some other team. I can't quite put my finger on it, but some other team. But I, I love football, and I've also I've coached football for many years. And let's see, I'm in this picture somewhere. Where am I? Oh, there I am. I'm right there. Okay? So um, I've coached football here in, in Minnesota, and I also did some coaching in Wisconsin. And uh, you need to know that... Uh, the coach is a vital part of a football team, isn't he? Oh, wait, I'm sorry. That's the wrong picture. Okay. That's better, isn't it? <laughs> sorry, I had to rub that in just a little bit this morning. So uh, that's for those of you who don't know, that's uh, Coach Stefanski, who was the offensive coordinator for the Vikings last year and is now the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. So... Uh, one of the things I love about coaching football and honestly about watching football is I love the strategy of the game. Football is a game that is very deep in strategy. There are a few other sports that have the depth of strategy that football has because there are so many variables in a football game and how things are done. But one of the most important keys to success in football is to develop a good playbook. Now, I met with the other coaches for, say, Peter High School uh, this week, and we finalized our playbook. We've been uh, discussing and debating what we want to have in the playbook and not for this next season. And our playbook is about this thick, okay? And it's all the different plays that we can run, offense, the things we do on defense and that. Um, and, uh, of course, that's nothing compared to, like, a college or a pro team whose playbook would be, like, about that thick, okay? But each week, as coaches, you put together a playbook for the opponent you will face. See, you have this big, thick playbook, but depending on what the other team does, you kind of streamline it. There are certain plays that, well, those won't work very well this week, but these will be very effective. So we'll use these plays this week, and the others uh, will uh, new do... Will you, do us well against a different opponent, maybe that plays a different kind of defense or whatever. It's a huge part of our game plan, and a, and a good game plan can only be, ex be executed with full effort. You see, coaches can put together great game plans and everything else, but the thing is, unless the players go out there and they give their best effort, it doesn't really work, does it? Now, this is a video from a film that came out a while ago, but I, I think it still drives the point home, that idea of giving full effort. So, Coach, how strong is Westview this year? A lot stronger than we are. You already written Friday night down as a loss, Brock? Well, not if I know we could beat them. Oh, quit on me. Your very best. Keep driving. Keep driving. There you go. There you go. He's heavy. I know I'm, he's heavy. I'm bad out of strength. Then you negotiate with your buddy to find more strength, but don't you give up on me, Brock. You keep going, you hear me? You keep going. You're doing good. You keep going. Do not quit on me. You keep going. It hurts. I know it hurts. You keep going. 
You keep going. It's all hard from here. 30 more steps. You keep going, Brock. Come on. Keep going. Burn. And let it burn. It's all hard. You keep going, Brock. Come on. Come on. Keep going. You promised me your best. Your best. Don't stop. Keep going. Too hard. It's not too hard. You keep going. Come on, Brock. Give me more. Give me more. Keep going. 20 more steps. 20 more. Keep going, Brock. Give me your best. Don't quit! No! Keep going! Keep going! Keep going! Don't quit! Don't quit! Don't quit! Brock Kelly, you don't quit! Keep going! Keep going! Go, Brock Kelly! You don't quit on me! No! You keep going! You keep going! Go, Brock! Ten more steps! Ten more! Ten more! Ten more! Keep going! Don't quit! Give me your Look up, Brock. You're in the end zone. Brock, you are the most influential player on this team. If you walk around defeated, so will they. Oh, tell me you can't give me more than what I've been seeing. You just carried a 140-pound man across this whole field on your arms. Brock, I need you. God's gifted you with the ability of leadership. Don't waste it. Coach. Can I count on you? Yes. Coach. What is it, Jeremy? I want a 160. Maximum effort, you know, he said, you're going to give me your very best, your very best. And sometimes I think when we, when we uh, think that, we, we sell ourselves short as to what God can do through us. Well, as I said before, I want to talk about God's playbook today. And the cool thing is we have a copy of that playbook available to all of us. It's called the Bible. And we find some of that playbook in Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. So I'm going to ask you if you'll take your Bibles, and we're going to be in uh, Philippians chapter 3 this morning. We're going to look at the, the first six verses. And I, I guarantee you that you've never read this passage before and thought football, but when you've got a pastor who's a little, well, you fill in the blank there, um, that he will see football in that at times. So follow, follow me on this, will you please? So look at what Paul says. He says this, whatever happens, dear brothers and sisters, may the Lord give you joy. I never get tired of telling you this. I'm doing this for your own good. Watch out for those dogs, those wicked men and their evil deeds, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. 
For we who worship God in the Spirit are the only ones who are truly circumcised. We put no confidence in human effort. Instead, we boast about what Christ Jesus has done for us. Yet, I could have confidence in myself, if anyone could. If others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. For I was circumcised when I was eight days old, having been born into a pure-blooded Jewish family that is a branch of the tribe of Benjamin. So I am a real Jew, if there ever was one. What's more, I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience of the Jewish law, and zealous, yes. In fact, I harshly persecuted the church, and I obeyed the Jewish law so carefully that I was never accused of any fault. So, this is what uh, Paul says, and I'm going to kind of take this apart a little bit, and we're going to look at some different aspects and see how it applies to football, but more importantly, how it applies to us in our lives. So, part of the playbook of any playbook is your offense. Your running plays, your passing plays, all the things that you do as an offense. So we're going to talk about what Paul says is a little bit of offense here. So look what he says. I'll go back to verse 1. He says, whatever happens, dear friends and sisters, may the Lord give you joy. May the Lord give you joy. Paul says, may the Lord give you joy. In the New American Standard, it says, rejoice, right? In fact, Paul says this at least four times in this book. And in chapter 4, he not only says rejoice, but he says to rejoice always. Now, I've often said that when we are instructed to do something in scriptures, because it doesn't come naturally. And you say, well, wait a minute, joy doesn't come naturally? Well, Paul has to tell the church to rejoice because it's easy to get discouraged, isn't it? We're living in a time right now where it's pretty easy to get discouraged. I have to be honest with you, and I have to share with you, and my wife will attest to this, that this has been a very discouraging time for a pastor. It really has. Depressing, even. Because when God calls you to minister, and something gets in the way of you being able to minister, that becomes very discouraging. And you feel like you're fighting against something all the time constantly. I usually feel that way, but even more so during the whole COVID stuff. See, friends, our circumstances can play a big part in us being discouraged, can't they? We have students in high school and in college who are not doing things the normal way. That can be very discouraging. We have family members who can't see each other because of different reasons with, with uh, the virus. That can be discouraging, too. There are some people, many people, who have lost their jobs because of this. That can be discouraging. There are many things that can discourage us. But look at Paul for a second. Where is Paul with all this? He's in jail. Paul had a lot to be discouraged about. But in the midst of all that, Paul reminds the church to be joyful. Let the Lord give you joy. Here's a great quote from John Phillips, and he says this. He says, If we feed our depression, it will grow until it sours all of life and renders us useless. If we feed our depression. Now, how do you feed your depression? You know what's a great way to feed depression? Hang around people who are negative. Hang around people who are always depressed. Now, people struggle with different things, and they need our help. 
right. But lift them up. Don't let them suck you down. You know what I mean? Do you ever have the phone ring and you look and you go, oh, I just don't have the strength today <laughs> to talk to that particular, because you know what they're going to say. It may be something new, but it's just going to be frustration about this, discouraged about that, you know, and that's hard. Spend time with people who find joy in the Lord. Be intentional about being joyful. Be intentional about rejoicing. When things are going bad and things are going lousy, take a moment and rejoice. And find the positive things to rejoice about. This is why, and I don't even know if you think about this, but this is why joy has to be part of our game plan. When I was in high school, our football coach had a, a phrase he used all the time, peaks and valleys, peaks and valleys. And what he meant by that is in every game, you're going to have high moments and you're going to have low moments. Rarely do you have a game where everything goes great the whole way through. Those are awesome times, but they happen very, very rarely. You're going to have moments where things go bad. But you can't get depressed. You've got to go, okay, we can still do this. And you've got to stay positive. You've got to hold on to the joy. See, friends, because Satan will use our depression to keep us from doing and being all that God has called us to do and be. We can't let that happen, friends. Romans chapter 8. This is a great verse. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose for them. You see, God will use our circumstances for his glory. Think about that. God is so awesome and so cool that no matter what happens, God can take it and use it for something good. That's cause to rejoice, friends. Because there's never a moment where you could say, well, uh, we should just give up. This is pointless. Nothing good's going to happen from this. Wait a minute. You can't say nothing good is going to happen from this because what did Paul just say? God uses all things, everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. God can use this. This is a great cause to rejoice. Look what it says in the book of Nehemiah. It says, don't be dejected and sad for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Nehemiah says, that's where our strength comes from. For the joy that we have in the Lord, it is our strength. And if we truly have joy, nothing can defeat us. We need to practice joy every day. You know that? Especially now. Find the positives in each day. Practice joy. Okay, well, the circumstances are different. Different isn't always bad. Okay, it's not what I expected. That's not always bad. It's not the way it's always been. That's not always a bad thing. Find the positives in all those situations and rejoice. Find things to rejoice and find things to be thankful for instead of focusing on the negative side. John said this, if you have sorrow now, Jesus said this in the book of John, you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, then you will rejoice and no one can rob you of that joy. And you know why no one can rob you of the joy that we have? Because our joy is based in truth. And our joy is based in our Savior, Jesus Christ. 
We know who Jesus is. We know who we are because of him. We know what he did for us. And because we have received him, we know who we are in God's eyes. That cannot be taken from us, friends. Because that is truth. And that is eternal truth. No one can take that from you. So you may not have expected this, but our offensive part of the playbook today in this passage is simply this. Be joyful. That's not too hard, is it? But like any football team, you've got to practice your plays. So you have to practice being joyful. And we have to help each other along, right? In football practice, when a player makes a mistake, do we just say, ah, no big deal? Well, I don't. I make sure they know what the mistake was and how to fix it. And the players will correct each other. Oh, wait, no, you were supposed to run this route and not that route. No, 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 you're not supposed to block that guy. You're supposed to block that guy. That's why you practice. So as part of God's team, we can sit here and we can say, hey, 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 so-and-so. Stop being discouraged. Find that joy. Hey, let me help you find that joy. Let's sit here and think of five things to be joyful for right now. Practice that joy. Okay, so let's look at defense. Okay, defense. Did you know there are plays on defense? Did you know that? You have pass coverages, you have blitz packages, you have linemen stunts, slants, pinches, all kinds of different things that the defense does. I've said this before, that people would be amazed at how much conversation goes on from the time the two teams get to the line of scrimmage and before the ball is snapped. Why? Because everybody's making changes and everybody's adjusting to what they see. There are lots of plays on defense, and you have to learn those too. Because when the coach gives a signal as to what you do, you got to know what that is. In Philippians, back again, we'll look at verse 2, and it says this, Watch out for those dogs, those wicked men and their evil deeds, those mutilators, mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. I'll explain that in a minute. But he says, watch out for those dogs. Now, now if you uh, know anything about the Cleveland Browns, the Browns, fan, the Browns are called the dogs quite often. And in the Browns uh, Stadium, they have something called the Dog Pound. Uh, oh, very fitting that he's got a raven in his mouth today, huh? Uh, I didn't plan that that way. It just kind of came out that way. Um, but they have a Dog Pound. And in the Dog Pound, you will find some very interesting people there. <sighs> Makes you proud, doesn't it? Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. You Vikings fans have no room to talk, right? Very interesting uh, <clears throat> Vikings fans. Very special people. Kind of people you'd want to have over for dinner, you know? <laughs> Paul says, watch out for those dogs. And what is Paul talking about? Well, we, we learned this when we were in the book of Colossians, right? The Judaizers, the ones who are telling people, well, before you become a Christian, you've got to become a Jew first. And you've got to go through all the Jewish stuff, you know, which included circumcision and all that stuff. Paul says, no, that's not right. That's not right. He calls them dogs. Whew. That's not a nice thing to say. Remember last week we talked about the fact that how the Samaritans were referred to as dogs? Not much of a compliment. See, dogs aren't like 
the dogs that we have today. When you think of your dog, you think, oh, my dog, I love my dog and everything, and yeah, we love our dog too. But dogs back then were not pets. They were scroungers and they were scavengers and all that stuff. Paul calls them dogs. He calls them that because what they are saying is what Christ did on the cross is not sufficient for salvation. Think about that. They're saying Jesus died on the cross. Yes, but you got to do this too. Ooh, that's not too cool at all, right? The book of Matthew, look what Jesus said. He said this. He said, do not give what is holy to dogs and do not throw your pearls before swine. What is he saying? Don't waste the good news of Jesus Christ on those who are going to take it and are going to trash it and not appreciate the truth of the gospel and appreciate the love of Christ. Watch out for those dogs. Watch out for those wicked men and their evil deeds. Beware. Beware of what the opposition is going to do. On defense, you have to study film and you have to know what the other team's offense does. You have to know, okay, they do this, but what could they do off of that? Or the trick plays that they may run. Or what to expect. If you know what to expect from an opposing team, it allows you to put up a better defense. So Paul says, beware. Beware of these wicked men. Beware of those evil deeds so that you are prepared to put up a good defense. Second Corinthians said this, For such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. Friends, there will be people who seem good on the surface, but you must listen to their message. There are people who will say things that fill you with warm fuzzies, but if you stop and really listen, you've got to listen to what they are saying. There's a lot of TV preachers out there. Unfortunately, there are not many who are good TV preachers. You have to know God's word. We have to know the truth of God's word. And anybody who's going to communicate God's word has to know what God's word says. Watch out for such men. Watch out for those who say you must be circumcised to be saved. Look what it says in Deuteronomy. It says... Moreover, the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and your heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul so that you may live. You see, friends, when we come to know Christ, there's a change on the inside. That commitment we make to the Lord happens in our hearts, not outwardly. Don't get caught up in outward appearance. We go back to the book of Colossians. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Jesus Christ. You see, the Judaizers, Judaizers were more about the outward than the inward. More about what you do than about who you are. More about what you show others than what you believe. Okay? Friends, it's about what we believe. And it's about where our heart is. And that is a part of our defense. Remember when we looked at the armor of God? And we talked about all the different parts of the armor of God? They were all for protection. Because if we were grounded in the truth, and we were grounded in our faith in Jesus Christ, the arrows that the evil one sling at us will have absolutely no effect. That, my friends, is a good defense. But a good playbook isn't enough. 
uh, to have a good offensive plan, to have a good defensive plan. You must have confidence in that plan. You see, it's really interesting, especially at the high school level, when you coach young men and teach them and help them to learn and grow, not just about football, but about life. As coaches, you've been here before. You have been through many seasons and many, many games. And these young men are coming along and they're learning. And they have to have confidence in you so that you know what you're doing. They have to be able to trust that you know. I mean, if you came to your players and you were like, well, I'm not sure what to do. I don't, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to teach you. You have to be able to instill confidence in them. And just as we look at God's word, we have to have confidence in our coach too. That's not me, that's God, please. One of the interesting things is when you watch college football is you see huge momentum shifts in games where a team will be doing great and all of a sudden something will shift and the other team will be doing good and the first team isn't doing as well. Well, so much of that is confidence, uh, losing and gaining confidence in a game. One of the things I appreciate about, appreciate about, a co about Coach P.J. Fleck is he instills confidence in his players. His players will do anything he asks them to do. He is a coach who instills confidence because his players go, he knows what he's talking about. And that's what we need to understand too when we look at God's word. Our Lord knows what he's talking about because he's a lot smarter than we are, isn't he? Look what it says in verse 3. It says, for we who worship God in spirit are the, one, are the only ones who are truly circumcised. We put no confidence in human effort. Instead, we boast about what Christ Jesus has done for us. No confidence in our own effort. No confidence. Ooh, that went goofy on me, didn't it? That's weird. Okay. No confidence in our own effort, all right? No confidence in ourselves, but confidence in what Christ has done for us. You see, friends, because he says we are the truly circumcised. The change that takes place in the inside of us because of the love of Jesus Christ. When people see a change in us, what has changed about us is what is on the inside and how we live our life out. The things we say, we things we do, all become a result of what God has already done in our hearts. We worship God in spirit. Now, we talked about worship at the beginning Worship is not just singing. It's every part of our lives. It's our actions. It is a reflection of our heart. It's the things we do. It's how we treat other people. We worship God with everything that we are. Jesus said this. He said, for God is spirit, and so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Our worship is possible because of the Holy Spirit who lives within us and the truth we find in God's Word. Worship is a result of truth that we have embraced. Understanding who we are in Christ, understanding who we would be without Christ, understanding how awesome and amazing God is, and the next thing is, of course, worship. How could it be anything else? God, you're incredible. Why would you love me? I'm scum. Why would you love me? Friends, that is worship. And we find that truth and we embrace that truth. And then we boast about our Savior, Jesus Christ, about what he has done for us. You see, our glory is in him, not in ourselves. There's nothing good about us except what Christ has done. Remember what Paul said to the Colossians 
in chapter 1, he said this, God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery along, among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in us. We know that someday we will be home with the Lord. Nothing, as Paul said earlier, can take that truth away from us. Nothing can take that from us. Our confidence is in him and not ourselves, which is a really good thing, because if my confidence was in me, I'm in trouble. I'm sunk. Our confidence is in him. We seek him, and if we follow his playbook, we are able to achieve what he calls us to achieve and have victory in him. Amen? Amen. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for your truth. And we praise you for all that we have and all that we are. We love you and we love the opportunities that we have that you present to us and you present before us. May we be good students of your playbook. May we understand the offense and the defense that we have. That we may live as a team that honors you and brings you glory. So as we leave, we leave in the strong name of Jesus Christ, empowered by your Spirit, carrying the good news of, God, of the gospel to all that we encounter. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Have a blessed day.